Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the newsroom. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Lin. Hello, this is Dr. Stephen Liu, Director of Thoracic Oncology at Georgetown University. And I'm Dr. Narjus Duma, Associate Director of the Cancer Care Equity Program at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. We are your hosts for this very special episode of Lung Cancer Considered. Yes, today we're joined by two notable figures in thoracic oncology, to say the least, Dr. Heather Wakely and Dr. Paul Van Schill. Dr. Wakely is a professor of medicine and chief of the Division of Oncology at Stanford University. She will also take the reins as president of the ISLC next month during the World Conference on Lung Cancer. We're also joined by Dr. Paul Banchill. Dr. Banchill is a professor of thoracic and vascular surgery and a member of the Anthro Surgical Training and Research Center and a consultant at the Department of Thoracic and Vascular Surgery of the Antwerp University Hospital. We'll begin, he will begin his turn as president-elect next month. Dr. Wakely, Dr. Van Schill, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us today. We really look forward to getting to know more about each of you as, as people, as, as colleagues, as well as your vision for the IASLC and for thoracic oncology globally. Thanks. It's really great to, to be with you both and exciting to, to talk to the audience. So thank you for hosting me. Also, thanks from uh, my side in, in Belgium. So best regards from across the ocean. And it's a pleasure for me to participate in this podcast and knowing you better. Thank you both. So Heather, let's start with exciting news. You are the second woman ever to serve as the president of the ISLC Board of Directors. How, how do you feel about this big accomplishment? Well, it's obviously very exciting to be about to become president of IASLC. That the ISLC has been a really important part of my career uh, since fellowship, actually. And so to now be at a point where I'll be taking over the reins is, is quite exciting. As a woman, I have to say that it, it was a little surprising when I realized I was only ever the second woman, considering that there's a 50-year history of the organization. Initially, we were only rotating presidents every three years, and then every now it's every two two years. But still, if you think about the percentage of our colleagues who are women, we, we are seeing that the, the leadership has not necessarily reflected all of the membership. And I think that moving forward, you know, that's going to be a really important thing that we are mindful of. And as something that you're very aware of, as we have, are now we have our, our Women in Thoracic Oncology Group, which you co-founded with several of your colleagues and with me as well. Um, and it's really exciting when we have our Women in Thoracic Oncology events to see how many other women are working in thoracic oncology uh, as medical oncologists, as surgeons, as radiation oncologists, as basic scientists, as patient advocates, as allied health professionals, you know, across the gamut, just so many people who are women who are really passionate about finding better treatment options and working on prevention of lung cancer. And so while I might just be the second in the first 50 years, I think in the second 50 years, we're going to see a lot more women in, in the leadership position, along with a lot of fantastic men who are advocates for women in leadership positions as well. So it is an exciting time. Um, and it's just really great to know how many other uh, women are working in the field as well. 
And I have to say, as a junior person in thoracic oncology, being two years in, it is very important for us to see that it is possible, that we can achieve these leadership positions. And I have seen that sentiment in many, many other colleagues and fellows and residents. So I think it means a lot to us because you can do what you can see. And moving on, you know, the ISLC presidency is a very prestigious role, of course. But could you explain to the listeners what are the duties of the president? Thanks. That's a great question. So as the president, it's really where the president of, of the board of directors. And so there's a, a group of global leaders who have been elected into the board positions and they represent people from different disciplines and, and different areas from where ISLC is active. And together, the board really works to set the agenda for the organization. And there are a lot of exciting projects that are happening. Obviously, the most visible are, are many conferences highlighted, of course, at our World Conference, which is now an annual event and an event that rotates around the world. So every year we, we rotate between North America, Europe, and rest of world, which is usually Asia, though often we are down and we can get down to Australia as well, and wanting to, within North America, have a flavor from Latin America as well. And so we are going to be down in San Diego in a few years. We're in Denver this year rotating around the globe. And so making sure that the conference that's put together is able to reflect the many, many, many aspects of, of thoracic oncology from smoking cessation to screening to treatment of early stage disease from a surgical radiation oncology, interventional pulmonary standpoint, as well as all of the really exciting systemic developments, not just in non-small cell, but also in small cell mesothelioma, thymoma. So just, it's a huge conference because we have so many different things that we're representing. And it's so exciting to bring all of us together to be able to talk about what's going on and where we see things moving. And so the board gets to play a role in that. And as the president getting to set the tone for that, as the president also working very closely with all of the fantastic staff within the organization on a lot of the, the projects that we're doing. And so in addition to making sure that we have great educational content at our conferences and an opportunity for networking, that networking also ex extends into being able to be good mentors and mentoring people globally who have an interest and a passion for treating thoracic malignancies and understanding them, even if they're not in a center that historically has a lot of people studying that. So providing that mentorship and thinking about what ISLC can do is another key role of the president. And then also playing a role in our scientific initiatives. So we have done many things over the years, particularly playing a key role in staging, a lot of work with screening, and continuing to bring those projects forward. Uh, have been involved recently in work with the organization, looking at um, how COVID has, has impacted clinical trial enrollment and brainstorming uh, as part of that uh, with what can be done, what have we learned to do that we can continue into the future. And so it's projects like that, that ISLC will continue to take a lead with. And as president, my job will be helping to sort of set that agenda and then working closely with the staff on the many, many other projects that, that we are doing. So that's just a brief view of it. It's a lot of, a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, listening, and a lot of helping to, to set that direction. So thanks. Sounds, Heather, it sounds like a full-time job to add to your many other full-time jobs. So certainly a busy slate, something to look forward to to Paul. Paul, congratulations on your election as president-elect of IASLC. Can you maybe explain to the listeners what that title means? 
Yes, uh, as president-elect, you are still a member of the board of directors, which is a very crucial organ, as explained by Heather for the ISLC. And I will stay that for two years. So for two years, I will be president-elect. And in two years' time, I will take over from Heather as the next president of the ISLC. And afterwards, I will be past president for the next two years. So that's a total time span of six years. So it will take me a busy, busy period for a long time, for six years, so until 2027. So the president-elect, of course, works very closely together with Heather. We have different specialties. I'm a thoracic surgeon. Heather is a medical oncologist. So I think that uh, will be a very good and very nice cooperation. We also have president-elect is part of the executive committee. So really at the heart of the association. And it enables me as president-elect to prepare for two years and uh, look exactly what Heather is doing to become the next president in two years' time. Now, the IASLC has traditionally held a flag ceremony to mark the changing of the presidents. These are very fun, sort of memorable events. Since we're virtual, some of that tradition will have to be done differently, sort of by necessity. Heather, have you discussed the process and you think you're going to miss any of the ceremonial aspects of the handoff? That's a great question. So uh, the current president of ISLC, Tetsuya Mitsudomi, is in Japan, and he still has the flag. And we have been discussing how we're going to uh, to mark that, that transition. Uh, so we are going to be working on having him film the taking down of the flag. And then when it arrives here, I'm going to be uh, trying to film getting it uh, set up in my office. So we'll at least be able to share that as part of the the. Uh, the the ceremony um, when we when we have that as part of the conference. And so I think the the fact that my presidency will start during a virtual conference is, of course, a, a sad thing because one of the, to me, most important aspects of ISLC is that networking, is that coming together and, and really learning from each other, but supporting each other and just feeling a part of the global family of people who are passionate about doing more in the field of thoracic malignancy. And as I mentioned from prevention to, to treatment to support of patients living with the disease. And so we, we all have hard jobs from that perspective. And for me, um, going to conferences has always been the time where I get rejuvenated and able to then get back to my day-to-day feeling that support from everybody else who's who's dealing with the same challenges and and being able to at those conferences reflect on all the progress that we've made and show having to do all that virtually I think it's going to be um, not as as rewarding um, but still we're able to continue in the virtual world to see what's happening with the science nearly as well as we were um, in person and so that part's exciting and I think having the flag ceremony be virtually a, a part of the conference is important because it has always been uh, for the organization, that transition point will remove from one president to another. So we're going to try to maintain as much of that as we possibly can. Wow, it seems like a very interesting initiatives. The staging system sounds like it's going to get a little more complex as we go, but I think it reflects the disease that, that we treat. So good to hear that. <laughs> Heather, you've also been involved in, in a lot of committee work before your presidency. You were chair of the ISLC Communications Committee. Uh, Narjus and I were also involved in, on prior committees, including that one. Uh, for our listeners who are ISLC members, why do you think it's important to serve on a committee? And do you maybe have a vision for these committees during your presidency? 
Yes, thank you. That's a great question for me because in 2016, I became chair of the lung cancer group of the staging and prognostic factors committee. And in fact, it's a large committee involved with staging. And at the present time, not only for lung cancer, but also for thymic epithelial tumors, for malignant pleuromesothelioma, and more recently also for esophageal tumors. So it spans almost every tumor in thoracic oncology. So the reason I got interested is because the staging, and especially when looking at surgery, invasive staging has undergone many changes over the last years. And we now have the minimal invasive staging techniques. We currently have the eighth edition of the TNM staging, so the tumor node metastasis. We have in our committee a lot of subcommittees looking at specific details, for example, for the T factor, the N factor, the M factor, but also looking, for example, at imaging pathology. So it's a quite an, an active committee and we are currently preparing the ninth edition of the TNM classification which will be due in two years time. We also try to involve younger people as for example one of our fellows has uh, become member of already the 10th edition for the TNM classification. So we would like to make it a real continuous progress with a lot of what is called EDC, so electronic data capturing, which is the prospective database of the ISLC, is covering so all oncological uh, procedures. In contrast to the batch data sets, which in fact are retrospective data for most of the time, which uh, by CRAP have to be analyzed and the data fields have to be adjusted to the CRAP database. This is in, indeed uh, very evolving. We are thinking about the TNM-X, meaning that TNM is in fact anatomical staging of a tumor, but we would like to add, for example, molecular markers to have a more profound and more detailed staging, so a comprehensive view of a patient to uh, construct diagnostic and also therapeutic algorithms, so to define more exactly the prognosis of a patient. On the other hand, Dr. Asamura, who is the current chair of the Staging and Prognostic Facts Committee, is also keen of developing what is called an essential TNM staging for those centers who only have uh, limited resources for, for example, the electrona data capturing. So the essential TNM looking at some essential fields, data fields, which we need to determine the prognosis of the patients. And in, in fact, we also uh, giving, we have some grants to give to, to centers. We have some troubles of collecting data and to put them in the ISLC database. So they can apply for a grant and several centers already did it. To obtain more data, for example, from Africa, from uh, Southern America, and also from some Asian countries. So it's quite a lot of work, but it's fascinating to see it evolving, not only thinking about the ninth edition at this time, but also already preparing the 10th edition of the TNM classification. That's fan fantastic. Uh, very good to hear, hear a bit of the story. Heather, maybe I'll ask you a similar question. Can you share a bit of your background for the listeners and how you decided to focus on lung cancer? We know that you're currently at Stanford, but you didn't do all your training on the West Coast, right? That's a great question. So I highlighted some of the conferences already, but the committee work is really where the work is, is getting done. And it's fantastic that we have so many members who are willing to, to serve on those committees. Paul's just gone through discussion of the staging. You mentioned communications, and that's critical because that's how we get the word out about ISLC, get the word out about the science that we're highlighting at our conferences. It used to just be newsprint. And uh, now, of course, there's a whole lot on social media and you and Nardist are leading a lot of those efforts, which is fantastic. And trying to make sure that we are hitting all the platforms where our listeners and viewers are going to be learning from us. So that's just a couple of the 
committees, but we also have some committees that are dedicated to to a specific subspecialties such as radiation oncology, some focused on our membership and what we can be doing to um, engage with our members, lots on mentoring as well. So there's a, a big list of, of committees and a lot of folks serving on those. And, and then as part of that committee membership, helping the organization to know about the up and coming stars. So that is another way that we're continuing with that, that mentorship. So the committees are really, really critical because that again is where most of the work is done. That is done by the organization from the membership perspective. We of course have our, our full-time staff at our main office in Denver who are doing all of the behind the scenes work as well. And so together the member committees along with the staff who are all meeting regularly regularly to stay on task for each of those committees are how we're moving forward with all of the fantastic work that's being done within the organization. I think we continue to adapt about the virtual concepts. I'm a big fan of giving talks wearing pajama pants. <laughs> so I think <laughs> it has been very, very, we be able to adapt to that. And now that I live in Boston, you know, considering the traffic is a daily thing, it's like, do I go in or not? So both of you have been very involved. Yeah. And the ISLC. Paul, you have been the chair of the Staging and Pronostic Factors Committee, one of the ISLC flagship projects. Can you share the highlights and the importance of that role uh, with our listeners? Yes, Heather addressed uh, all the most important topics already. My first uh, World Lung Cancer Conference was in 1994 in Colorado Springs, which was in a beautiful setting. So I remember that very well. It was beginning of July. At that time, I, I was really impressed by the organization and also by the conference. I, I remember some breakfast sessions with, for example, uh, Bob Ginsberg and, and Peter Goldstraw, which were really the most important drastic surgeons in the world. And I could just sit at the same table as junior surgeon with them and, and just ask regular questions and discuss how, how they were doing in, in, in their department. But not only that, there were also multidisciplinary meetings. So I could learn more about medical oncology, what was going on in, in genetics, about uh, the newer chemotherapeutic drugs, about uh, staging, about radiology. So that was really a very amazing conference uh, for me. And ever since that time, I think I attended every World Lung Con Cancer Conference just to, to know more about the multidisciplinary interaction, not only about surgery because not surgical techniques they were not always addressed at that time but more how to uh, yeah, contact and, and connect with the other disciplines and learn from them and see what is the role of surgery within that multidisciplinary setting so I think the, that multidisciplinary cooperation has been and still will be a key element for the success of ISLC. And as you heard from Heather, many new scientific developments are coming our way. The role of surgery, for example, is constantly redefined also regarding radiotherapy, uh, regarding chemotherapy, immunotherapy. So we'll have to adapt to those new developments. So What's also important in ISLC, it does not only involve physicians dealing with thoracic oncology, but also allied health professionals and even specific patient representatives. So the patient's voices are becoming more and more important. And I think ISLC is ideally suited to accomplish this mission because it has a very well-developed organizational structure and very dedicated personnel in every department. And already, as, as you know, next year it will be 50 years, so long time experience in all matters related to thoracic oncology. 
And I started to know the people at, at the office uh, much better now. And I'm really impressed by their dedication and their high qualification to accomplish every task uh, within the ISLC. So I think this will provide a guarantee for further development of ISLC. And uh, I'm really proud to be part of that. We are really excited to have both of you as guests. We would love just to take a little bit of time to know more about you. Paul, you're a thoracic surgeon based in Europe. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your training, and what led to focus on lung cancer? Yes, thank you for the question. I was born in 57 in Antwerp in Belgium, and I'm almost a completely Antwerp product and had to know that we are very proud of our city, and sometimes you are criticized for that. I graduated from medical school in 82 at Antwerp University in Belgium and did my training also at a university hospital in Antwerp. Afterwards, became a fellow in the Department of Cardiothoracic Surgery at the Antonius Hospital in Nieuwegein, the Netherlands, which at that time was one of the most famous centers in, in Belgium and the Netherlands together for cardiothoracic surgery. At that time, I was involved in lung cancer surgery and had the opportunity to make a doctoral thesis on bronchial sleeve resection for lung cancer, the long-term results of it, which in fact looks at the specific types of surgery for lung cancer with creation of a bronchial anastomosis, which I could defend at the University of Nijmegen in the Netherlands. And from that time on, I was really involved in and interested in lung cancer surgery. In 1990, I returned to Antwerp and I became a staff member at the Department of General Surgery at that time of the Antwerp University Hospital. Afterwards, the Division of Thoracic and Vascular Surgery was created and I was involved in that. So as already mentioned, currently I'm Professor in Thoracic and Vascular Surgery at our Faculty of Medicine in Antwerp and I'm also involved in our Academic Surgical Training and Research Centre. At the hospital, I'm currently a consultant at the Department of Thoracic and Vascular Surgery. I also like to mention that in 2014, I was president of the European Association for Cardiothoracic Surgery, or EACTS, which is in fact the largest cardiothoracic surgical society in the, the world. And I was very proud, as mentioned in 2017, to become member of the board of directors of the ISLC and chair of the lung cancer domain of the staging and prognostic factors committee. So currently, I'm also involved in editorial work. I'm associate editor of the Journal of Thoracic Oncology and the Journal of Thoracic Oncology Clinical Research Reports, the European Respiratory Journal, and also our more local Acta Chirurgica Belgica. My main interests are, as already mentioned, of course, thoracic surgery and oncology, with emphasis on lung cancer staging and therapy, lung metastasis, and also thymoma and mesothelioma. So as a side note, I want to mention that I became also a guide in our Antwerp Zoo. So when you come to Antwerp, I can guide you through our very famous zoo because we have animals, especially coming from Congo, Africa, which was our previous Belgian colony. And to demonstrate that our world is very small, one of our elements, Billy, two years ago crossed over from Antwerp and no surprise, he came over to, to Denver, where he still is. So last time when I was at the board of directors meeting, I visited the zoo and the zookeepers, I told them I came from Antwerp, gave me a guided tour behind the scenes and I was the opportunity to take a lot of pictures of our male elephant, Billy. 
Right. Before I answer that, though, I have to respond to the elephant comment. I uh, I don't have such a great story about that, but that's fantastic to think about the uh, the global elephant. I'm also going to answer to to, uh, to Paul that he has every right to be proud of, of Antwerp. It's a beautiful city. So I actually grew up in uh, northern California, farther north than Stanford in Sonoma County, which is known as a wine country now. But I didn't know that when I was growing up. We, we lived near apple orchards. And so we had a small farm. And I left, uh, went to the East Coast for undergraduate at, at Princeton and then uh, medical school at Hopkins. And I was one of those people who knew from the earliest ages that I wanted to, to go into medicine. It just was my, my calling, as I think it is for many of us. I was able to get back to the West Coast after my eight years of East Coast training and have been at Stanford since my uh, internship, which was 25 years ago and been here ever since, really have been able to to build our lung cancer program. When I was finishing up my training as an internal medicine doctor and then going into oncology, we were still at a pretty early time as far as lung cancer treatment advances of medical oncology. Obviously, there have been lots of advances before then in surgical and radiation treatment, and there had been exciting developments with chemotherapy. But we were, at the time I was in training, right on the cusp of understanding the molecular driver mutations. I remember being at the ASCO meeting when the first data with Jafitnib came out, and it was right before um, the the data broke on all of the uh, molecular underpinnings, the mutations that led to the responses. And obviously, that aspect of what we're able to do as medical oncologists in lung cancer has really exploded in a fantastic way since then. And so it's been really exciting to be a part of that story from the beginning and now in the immune therapy era. But that's sort of where we are now and why it's so exciting. When I was first getting started, though, my interest in lung cancer was sparked partly by the fact that we just didn't have as many people interested in in working in that world at the time because we didn't have as many tools. And I was able to, as a fellow, go to a lung cancer conference where I met a lot of the big names in lung cancer, particularly David Gandera, um, who has been a mentor for me. He's just down the road a little bit in Sacramento, UC Davis. And so I was able to commute there uh, once a week for a while and, and learn from him. Also went to the Vail training conference, got to and was paired with Paul Bunn. And he was the one who really introduced me, he and, uh, and David, to the uh, ISLC. And that has been a really exciting uh, part of my uh, my career since then. But getting back to the, the training part, it was I'm a Californian through and through and excited to be back here after my little foray to the uh, East Coast. Thank you, Heather, for sharing all of that. We want to ask you, what is your vision for the organization in the next few years? So the organization, as I mentioned, has been a really key part of my professional career from the beginning for many of the reasons we've already talked about. You you just mentioned how exciting it is when you're meeting with the committee to see your friends and be able to have that, that connection to other people who share our passion. And that to me is, again, one of the key roles of ISLC is providing those opportunities to mentor, to come together as friends, to support each other in the difficult jobs that we have of caring for people who are facing lung cancer and other thoracic malignancies. 
for the organization into the future, I'd like to see us continue to develop our role as a mentoring organization, as a networking organization. These are things we're already doing well, but to continue to do that, to do so with a mindfulness of inclusion and how do we make sure that we're reaching everybody who is interested in working in this world and how do we focus as an organization on reaching every patient who is facing a lung cancer diagnosis and an extension from that, how do we continue to get the messages out about what we can do to prevent lung cancer for many parts of the world that's still working on tobacco cessation. There also is lung cancer developing in people who have no smoking history. And so trying to understand what is driving that and what can we do to to work and prevent that, to focus on our screening efforts, because the more people who we can find where the cancer is developing early, the more people we're able to cure. And then to continue with our support for education regarding all of the treatment advances that are happening. And then potentially, hopefully, being able to be a part of the discussions around how can we move the availability of clinical trials to a broader group of people? And how can we make the advances that we're learning about available to more people living with thoracic malignancies? Yes, if ISLC has to maintain its leadership position with the current COVID pandemic, which induced, in fact, a general and global shockwave all over the world, affecting all layers of our society, then I think further cooperation is really necessary, not only within the ISLC, but I also think uh, with other societies, as for example, on the European side, the ESMO, the European Society of Medical Oncology, the ERS, the European Respiratory Society, and, and also the European School of uh, Oncology. So as you mentioned, participation in international meetings and interdisciplinary contacts have undergone uh, major changes and different solutions have to be explored. And this is, as you mentioned, especially relevant as ISOC is by definition a worldwide multidisciplinary association involving many different disciplines and many different kinds of health workers active in thoracic oncology, so including patient groups. So I think we should explore more and more virtual and hybrid solutions. For example, as, as we're now doing for uh, some associations, invite the speakers at, at the local spot, but the participants are still in a virtual meeting, but it's probably more easy to ask questions and to participate in, in discussions. So on the other hand, there are also some financial issues due to the worldwide pandemic. So we have to keep a strongly positive uh, financial balance. Another important point, I think, and for this reason also Heather puts the, the accent on, on scientific developments. So we have to keep track of the new scientific developments and their impl implementation in our daily practice. And this is also true for low-income countries. So we have to find solutions for them so they can give the best care to their patients. So we need a really continued focus on these achievements and, uh, yeah, and give some guarantee that they can be worldwide applied. And I know this is a major challenge, but it's something we have to really deal with. And that's the reason that cooperation with other societies is uh, crucially important to accomplish uh, our goals in the near future. Thank you, Paul. It is great to see you know, that we're increasing the outreach, that we're thinking for about low middle income countries and we're incorporating our patients more and more to the organization. Heather, anything else to add? I think that as we slowly emerge from the pandemic, though, of course, it is a up and down <laughs> still at this time, 
There are things that we've learned during the pandemic time that I think will move forward and make uh, the organization and the world stronger in some ways. The One of the strengths of ISLC, as Paul has mentioned, as I have mentioned, is the global nature of the organization. Because of ISLC, I feel like I know people in, in dozens of countries who I never would have met, but who are leading in many ways parallel lives and with their work in, in the field. And having that knowledge uh, has strengthened me in, in my career. And I think it strengthens a lot of people who are involved in ISLC. But being able to travel, uh, which was the only way to see people previously, is certainly a big challenge. Um, if I wanted to go visit Paul in Antwerp, it's, of course, going to take me a day plus and got a time there and back. So it's minimum of three days, which would be a crazy <laughs> short trip anyway. But with the technology that we've all gotten used to, I'm in meetings with him now almost every week. And because I'm seeing his face as a part of that, I feel like I'm seeing him once a week. And so this ability to do video conferencing, which of course isn't new, but we didn't used to think that that was a normal way to communicate on a regular basis. We now have that and we're going to be able to continue to move forward with that. And it's going to be a way that we can come together with a more global group on a regular basis. Of course, many of those meetings are at six o'clock in the morning for me, which I'm not super fond of, but it's just the way it works out. And I think that as we uh, continue through the pandemic and move beyond the pandemic, that knowledge that we can bring people together through video conferencing and, and hybrid technologies is something that ISLC will be able to continue to utilize, not just for the committee meetings and executive meetings and, and working closely with the, the staff in the office, but also moving into the future for conferences, because I think people are realizing that if there is data and science and they want to be a part of hearing about it as it's initially presented, they don't necessarily have to get on an airplane. They can do that from their comfort of their own home and still have some ability to interact with people through chat functions, through smaller groups, breakouts that can be a part of these and, and discussions. And so instead of saying, oh, that's too far, I'm not going to go, I'll wait until it comes out later, they can be a part of it in the now as that new data is coming forward. And I think the hybrid technologies are going to be something that we'll be able to do where you can have some people there in person and other people teleconferencing in and still being able to be a part of that active conversation. So those are the, some of the things I think we're going to be able to, to learn. And by not flying everyone around all the time and, and relying a bit more on this, I think that's going to help the world overall have a lower carbon footprint as we're dealing with global warming challenges and reduce some of the, the costs, as, uh, as Paul had mentioned before. So those are some of the, the positive spins on, on everything that we've, we've been through. Thank you for that, Heather. And I think having the hybrid model is also more inclusive, particularly for people that have childcare needs, that have elderly needs or, you know, clinical duties. So I think having an optional that you can be there from the comfort of your home, it provides option to, to many of us who cannot travel or it can be very difficult to be in two places at the same time. Uh, many of our listeners are early in their career. To the two of you, do you have any advice to our fellows, trainees, young investigators are interested in lung cancer and they're also interested in getting involved with ISLC? 
It's a great question, Arjus. I, I do want to echo what you had said also, that the virtual and hybrid gives us opportunities to be a part of things we wouldn't have been able to if we had to actually leave everything that we have at home, whether that's family or, or other meetings at our institution, our patients, and be able to participate. And I think that's particularly relevant for the fellows and trainees and, and young investigators who are still really working to establish their research programs establish their patient panels and are often um, have have young kids. And so with the virtual opportunities, they can become a part of things they might not have been able to because they couldn't travel. Because a lot of that engagement is just about showing up. It's about getting to know people. It's about putting yourself out there to say, hi, my name is, is Heather and I'm interested in thoracic oncology. I remember doing that a lot at conferences early in my career because it helped me to get to know a huge group of people who are interested in the same things I was interested in, to have a panel of people I could ask questions too about you know patient issues and research and just career advice. And I think ISLC provides a forum for people to do that. I think it's pretty safe to assume that if you're an ISLC member and someone else is an ISLC member, they're going to want to talk to you and that we should all feel comfortable reaching out and talking to folks. And of course, in person, that's somewhat easier. But from a virtual standpoint, if you're in a, in a conference and you happen to see a name of someone you wanted to talk to and there's a chat function, you should reach out and set up a time that you might be able to connect with them otherwise or to join the committees um, and get to know people that way, because those are going to be smaller groups where you're going to be able to interact with all those other people and, and meet people with the same interest, uh, often um, also multidisciplinary, uh, where there's those intersections where you might have new ideas and also people from different parts of the world. Beautifully put, Heather. I'm not sure, Paul, there's going to be anything to add on that, but maybe I can ask you how you, you first got involved with ISLC and where do you hope to lead the organization in future years? What are, what are other things that ISLC can maybe do better? Yes, uh, Heather said most of the things I wanted to say, but an advice I can give to younger fellows is probably the example, uh, the way I did it could be some of the, the ways to do it. Uh, so try to be involved in ISLC at an early stage. Try to participate in conferences. Listen to the authorities in uh, thoracic oncology. And then next could be to trying to participate in some research projects. We have the Lung Ambition Alliance project with uh, a lot of uh, other things that, that go on. So that could be one way to participate in ISLC. And then when you're a bit more senior or more involving, then you could try to uh, send in some abstracts and write uh, some publications for our journals. And then when you're on a later stage, participate also in the ISLC committees. So it's more a gradual involvement, trying from the start to, to participate in what ISLC is doing. And then you get more and more involved. And uh, also the, the committees are welcoming, certainly also younger people to, uh, to advance uh, for the future. We have the mentorship programs, as mentioned by Heather. We have fellowship programs. So there are many opportunities for younger colleagues to participate. And it's really necessary because it's uh, younger blood coming to the society and they will have to do it in, in the future to advance uh, thoracic oncology. Well, I think you and Heather both really hit on the, the multidisciplinary and global nature of ISLC. And it really is one of the strengths, but it can also be a bit of a challenge. You know, even now we're talking across three very different time zones, and that's even more so during a pandemic. And you know, our, our current battles with COVID, I think, are, are stretching a bit longer than we maybe anticipated a year and a half ago. So do you have any any goals for collaboration, or can you maybe describe some of those hurdles, since we might not be able to meet face-to-face for, face for, for a bit, bit longer? 
Yeah, thank you. For me, it was also a great experience. And I hope that those who listen are enthusiastic about ISLC as Heather and I, I am. And so we're looking forward to your participation in everything ISLC is doing. Thank you. We appreciate the time, the passion above our guests. Thank you for your time and we look forward to endeavors at the ISLC. Thank you so much. Really appreciate getting this opportunity to speak with all of you. It's been great talking to both of you. We're all very excited to be under your leadership within ISLC, but we do want to be respectful of your time. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to Lung Cancer Considered, the official IASLC podcast, and hope everyone will tune in on the first and third weeks of every month. Thank you for listening to Lung Cancer Considered. You can find all our podcasts on our website, www.iaslc.org, in our newsroom or on SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rank, like, and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues. I thought I knew you. I thought it was inferred, then you surprised me.